What's up, guys? Hope you're having a great day. I am looking forward to introducing my guest today, Andy Hill, and wanted to give you a quick rundown on him and our conversation first before we jump into the conversation. So Andy has a podcast he's been running for many years now where he talks about family and finances, and it's a great podcast. He's done all sorts of great things around this subject and has dedicated lots of time and energy. And so Andy and I talk about exactly that. We talk about family and finances and get into, you know, where he came about with this idea and how he got into it and how he developed this specialty. We also talk about some of the most important things he's learned in his multiple years of creating content around family and finances. And I think some of the Things that we talk about might surprise you a little bit here. We also talk about some concrete ways to consider measuring how you're actually doing following your values. And then Andy shares some of the biggest challenges and we talk about what those might look like for families and how we're facing them today. We also explore this interesting concept of like maybe asking your family or talking with them more about like what they need from you to improve their life. And kind of in involving them more in that like values discussion and you know progress along the way and then we wrap up with talking about some ways of teaching our children about money and andy shares some specific recommendations for percentage target targets to teach children and then even some accounts to potentially set up for your kids so i think you know, we had a great conversation. I always enjoy talking money and finances or money and family. And so I think you'll enjoy it as well. And so I can't wait to get it kicked off. So let's jump into that right now. Andy, what's up? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Daniel. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to chat. We got a lot of things in common. We were just catching up. And so that always makes for a good conversation. It, and what I wanted to focus in on, there's a bunch of stuff we can talk about because we're both money geeks. So we'll try not to bore you guys listening with our <laughs> personal finance geeking. So, but really what I want to talk about more is like family and, you know, integrating that with your finances. And Andy has done a lot of work in that area. He created a podcast blog, a brand, a marriage, kids and money. And so... I know he's spent a whole lot of time and put in a whole lot of effort, blood, sweat, and tears in that subject <laughs> of mixing family, you know, with money and parenting and all that sort of thing. So I look forward, I think that'll be a great thing to kind of cover, you know, given that's such an important topic for people. Most people we talk about, that's like top of the list. It's like family is most important to them. So yeah. before we jump into that, I would love it if you could give us kind of an idea of how, because it's not that you, it's not every day that you come across somebody that's like, you know, pr producing content on family and money as their job. That's and what it I do. Appears that's what you're doing. So I'm really <laughs> curious, like how in the world did that happen? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I graduated college and I started my career in corporate event marketing. I had a communications degree. Actually, I went into college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I followed what my brother did. He went to Michigan State. He got a comm degree. I'm like, I don't know. I'll do that. You know, so I fell into event marketing. It was a lot of fun in my 20s, you know, traveling around, getting to be able to go to different parts of the country, even different countries to show off luxury cars. It was like super cool job for a 20 something, right? And then over time, as I started to settle down at the woman of my dreams, started to have kids and the whole event marketing, corporate event thing, got kind of tired, you know, working on the weekends, working on the nights. And I wanted a more structure and more time for family because that was most important to me at the time. So when we learned that we were going to be parents, I definitely had a money mindset shift that helped kind of trigger where I was going to go with my career in the future. And after about 15 years in the corporate event marketing industry, I needed something else. I needed something different in my life to kind of have a spark and eventually maybe have it become my full-time job. So I had a, I remember having a really bad day at work one day where corporate management said, hey, you're not on this team anymore that you've built and grown. You're now on this team and uh, you don't have anybody on your team anymore and you're going to be doing this. And it was like, th there was no conversation around what you were interested in or what you want to do. It was more like, you're going to do this. And I realized I didn't really have any control of my life. I didn't really have control of my corporate life. And then when I was at home, 
I was raising toddlers with my wife and I didn't really have a lot of control there either. So I felt like I needed something in my life that was like, okay, what's for me? What's something I'm interested in? What's a fun hobby? And I love talking about personal finance. I love learning about personal finance. I love talking about family finance specifically. And so I decided to start a blog and a podcast on a whim in 2016 as a hobby and slowly turned it into a side hustle as I figured out how to make a little bit of money from it. And then in 2020, the beginning of the year, I transitioned into it full-time, making full-time content around family finance, personal finance. And that's what I do for a living now. Right. You know what? If you're ever going to leave your steady corporate career, don't do it two months before the pandemic comes because <laughs> that was tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, people think of the corporate jobs as or employment even is steady and secure and safe and comfortable yeah. and which I guess it kind of is those things but on the downside it's like autonomy not so much control yep. not so much it's way easier to get fired when you're self-employed you kind of are like your own boss so you know it's harder to get fired and yep absolutely <laughs> I a hear whole you. lot of perks I think entrepreneurship puts you in the driver's seat to be able to solve problems and create, you know, solutions. And that's what you're doing now. At the end of the day, you're helping people and helping them, you know, in a pretty important area. So that's also rewarding, more rewarding. I mean, you know, event planning and all that is rewarding, I'm sure. But like helping people turn, the, you know, turn the corner on their finances, that's like life-changing and yeah, it's good work. So it is. It's very fulfilling. I feel the most accomplished when I receive notes from people that any video I put out or a podcast I put out or an article I put out actually help them with their goals. And it's really moving. So yeah, I love yeah. it. Honestly, I love it. I couldn't see myself doing anything else for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I would say the same thing when because we're in the same we're not in the exact same line of work, but we are in a very similar line of work. And when we get I got an email yesterday or this morning from someone that listens and they're like, the shows you've been doing lately are just fantastic for what I'm going through in my life. And it's been super helpful. And I emailed her back. I'm like, well, thank you. Cause she was saying, thank you. And I'm like, thank you. These, when I get Absolutely. these, I'm like super motivated. I'm like, let's do this. And that's the juice that keeps me going. Honestly. I mean, financial success is fun because we like talking about money, but it's those personal notes of gratitude because it's cyclical. You know, you get that gratitude to you, then it's honestly, it's like, as you said, you want to reply, thank you, you're keeping mm -hmm. me going. And those are the vibes we need to be keeping going in this world. Yeah, it's it's not about the money. I mean, the money is important to kind of live, but I think that sort of thing and the relationships are key. So as, in your experience, you've spent a lot of time in, in this world of like family and finances. I'm curious, like, what are some of the most important takeaways you have gathered or learned about marriage and family and money and those sorts of things? Yeah, I would say some of them are personal takeaways. And then some of them are just from conversations I've had with people, whether it's coaching or listening on the show, is that sometimes we get numbers focused where I want to become debt free or I want to become, you know, I'll raise my net worth or I want to become a millionaire or whatever. Something, some things like these numerical goals. And I think we can lose sight of the purpose of wanting to do those things if we don't put a why around it, or if we don't put our family values around it or things that are important to us as individuals and then the collective of our family. So I've learned that personally, that you know these big wins that we might have, financial wins, are that much sweeter when they help you move towards a place you want to go in your life, where you're moving towards those goals that you've set up and said, hey, I want to be able to work less so that I can spend more time with my aging parents, or I want to be able to work less so I can spend more time with my kids, or I want to craft my day where somebody else isn't telling me what to do, <laughs> or whatever it is, or I want to just breathe easier because I feel like I am under this weight of debt or this financial mismanagement, and I want to feel free, and I want to make some progress. So when you're able to write down those values or write down those goals and then see yourself progressing towards them, I think the those financial wins become that much sweeter. And I've learned that personally over my financial journey, as well as talking to a lot of people about that as well. Yeah, that's a good one. I have had a similar experience. I was looking at my 
goals from 2006 because I've always been in the finance, personal finance industry and, you know, I've learned like the goal setting financial planning process, but I was looking at my goals from 2006 and it was like net worth X and it was just a number. And I was like, (laughs) man, that's pretty weak, but I didn't really, that that was just kind of how I was operating it over time. I think personally, that's my favorite thing about good financial planning or the process of creating your financial plan is that it helps you to take a little time to think about not only like the goals, but like why, where's it coming from? Why are you shooting for that goal? Like what's your purpose, values, vision? What's your why basically? Like what's the reasoning behind it? Because that's the thing that motivates you. It's not, we've said this like a gazillion times on the podcast, but it's like hitting the net worth goal or whatever it is does not bring happiness. It like in itself. And in some cases it makes life more complicated. Yeah. But when you can accomplish your purpose, I mean, that's like as rewarding as it gets and is super motivational. And I see that all the time in my work too, is people are very heavy focused on the numbers and, you know, maybe they realize it, maybe they don't. I think kind of adding to that, what I see that's probably most concerning is when people say that they are not numbers focused and they say something like my purpose or my values, like I'm, you know, they're like, I'm pretty clear on that. Like family's most important and that sort of thing. But then I like the quote, like, show me your, you know what I'm going to say. Yep. I show do. me your checkbook and your calendar. I'll tell you what's most important. Exactly. And you look at the time and attention and versus, and it does not align with that. What they say is most important. That's a concerning position to be in because there's this like buried ahead in the sand happening and lack of awareness. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much about, you know, whether it's your finances or your marriage or wherever, you know, these are more of verbs, you know, we got, these are action. You got to put action around what your words are are coming out of your mouth (laughs) because otherwise they're just words. They're hot air. You know, like if you really want to say you're focused on creating more time to be with your family, then as you said, show me your budget, show me your calendar and does that align? And if it doesn't currently, that's okay. But maybe the progression of little baby steps to get to where you want to go. But that was a big deal for me. I was working whatever, 50, 60 hours a week, and I wanted more time back so that I could be a present father, present husband, more involved in my community, taking care of my health. And that was my goal over, you know, moving away from my corporate career into taking on entrepreneurship. And even as I started the entrepreneurship thing, I was like, I still had this crazy, well, I better work 50, 60 hours to make this thing super successful. And it wasn't until like, Hey, you own your own business now, man. You can make the hours. You can make the time. And so it took a while for me to realize, oh, I can and I can choose to work 20 to 30 hours a week if I want to and make that a priority. And then everything outside of that becomes the things that you really want to do outside of obviously loving what I do, you know, family, my health, being with my parents, being with my wife. And I found that to be growing and growing as the years go go by. Yeah, I like that as a, I mean, if you're into kind of like, this is numbers focused, but it's not numbers focused. I like, you know, looking at that as like a KPI, you know, KPI is kind of like a performance indicator, the corporate world would say. So if you're looking at, you know, your values and, you know, you're saying what's most important is family, as an example, then it would be probably worthwhile to look at your budget and your calendar or your time spent and see how that's shaking out. And it's just a good exercise, a thought process for everybody. And it's not, perfection is not the goal. It's more just like, are you moving? Which direction are you moving? And that's been my progression too, is like early on in my career, I was like hardcore into work and just working for money, really. I mean, and I didn't quite connect the dots. And then I've slowly progressed towards, you know, less attention and time towards work, but it's still a challenge because you have to say no to things when you get successful too. That's the other challenge is it's hard to say no. Yeah. That's a skill. That's a skill that takes, takes a lot of practice. And that's really hard for me. My, my wife jokes around that I, my nickname is and Andy because I keep on adding things to our plate, to my plate, to her plate, because I don't know, I have a drive and a desire to do great things. And, but that drive and desire 
also needs to be managed <laughs> so that I don't move away from the things that are very important to me. So absolutely. It's a learning process. I feel like there's a theme going on here, Daniel. It's like a, the marriage of the numbers and the goals coming together to be uh, to be one, you know, and, and obviously we can't get rid of important tools like a net worth tracking or your investment tracking or, you know, a debt elimination or whatever your num numeric goals are, but make sure that it has some sort of purpose. Like sometimes I find myself investing just for the sake of investing. And when I look at it and it's, you know, then I'm like, well, what is that for? Is that for retirement? Is that for like my kid's college? Is that for well, no, I just want to, you know, grow my investment account. So I got, it's like, just why? Cause. Why? That's like kind of ego pride. Uh, it is. Of. I think that's exactly what it is. Absolutely. Because uh, I've the been bigger there. the number, I know the better, it, I can right? identify it. It's like, yeah. I want my net worth to be bigger because I want my net worth to be bigger so that exactly. I can be, uh, you know. So I can feel warm and fuzzy inside. Like I'm, yeah. like I'm a big man. Yep. Big baller. <laughs> that's um, right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But that, that is, that has problems if you peel back the layers. Oh yeah, uh, and I find myself doing the exact same thing. I just had a we, my wife and I just had a conversation about recently about finishing a basement in our house, and um, I, the way it's going to have to work is I'm going to have to we're going to have to forfeit investing a fair amount to make that happen, and I am uncomfortable with that. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's your whoopee. That's your cushion of comfort. Like, no, I'm investing a certain amount. I do this for my professional life, and to invest a lot less would mean I'm not as much of a financial educator or a financial mm -hmm. planner, right? But then the question <laughs> is, what's the purpose of the investing? And Exactly. I think I saw an article or podcast you had done where you talked about segmenting out the goals and how, you know, baseline retirement age 65 or whatever once that's kind of like carved out and saved for adequately then it's like well redirect your savings to something else and yeah. make sure it's like what that comes down to is connecting the dollars to goal or purpose and i think that's important takeaway there is if you're in that not everybody's in that boat some people are like i'm not saving enough but if you're in that boat of like i have just more wealth they have more wealth that's kind of a problem in itself and connecting it to the goal. And maybe it ends up being that like your goals are already fully funded. And then it's like, well, why, why are you go back to your values? If you say family is important, like maybe you should pare down hours work. Sure. Or if building your community or making the world a better place or, yeah. or whatever you decide, Hey, I am this person, or I say I am this person. Well, what are you doing with your time, your money, your energy to move towards that. Yeah. What do you think the biggest challenges families, what are some of the biggest challenges families are facing today? I'm curious your thoughts on this. Just in general. Oh, I mean, generally, I mean, it's all in the news and everything like that, but I think just having your dollar go a little further lately with inflation and just, just a general uncertainty that still exists within the world post COVID. Uh, I think that it's changed a lot of fam family dynamics of, working from home, not working from home, what that means as an individual, what that means for our careers. And I think that marriage dynamic too can have a lot of interesting play as well, where both parties were maybe both working in an office. Now they're both working at home and now there's this odd hybrid thing going on. I think that has a lot to do with, I think that has a lot of conversations that marriage married couples need to have around what are our new roles? You know, I think maybe the traditional way was away for so long. And I think that the ability for couples to have modernized over the past decades is fantastic. And it's even amplified over the past few years, too, with the ability for parents to, you know, share a bit more of the at home life and all that goes into it. So I'm excited for the future for families and parents to almost have the ability to redefine what they see as their important values and what they see as the way that they want to spend their time. And uh, although it might be swinging back towards the strongholds of the corporations, I still think the employees have a lot of say at this time in, in our world and our society to kind of craft the way that we think families should be together. And it is sometimes a sad fact that we spend more time with our employees or our employers than we do with the people that we love the most. So if there's a way for that balance to shift, 
more towards, I don't know, the family unit and people moving towards the values and the desires they have instead of feeling like they are trapped in a job. I think that'd be beautiful. Yeah, I think there have been, I wonder if that shift has been away from the family unit is my suspicion over the past, say, 100 years or whatever. Like, I think the shift has been towards other things besides family. And I think we got to also throw in like work is one thing, but sure. then there's also like all these other attention grabbers now, like cell phones. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. Everything's absolutely. like pulling at your attention. So go, I keep going back to this time and attention and where are you spending that? And you got money too, but like time and attention is even more important. Absolutely. Like Those are resources. Right. And Just if like you're not, money. if you're not dedicating full attention to family, that's a big challenge. And I think our, if you look at the family unit today, I would say we have lots of room for improvement. Just if you look at, I mean, like divorce statistics are one thing. I don't know if they've gone up or down, but I think people are kind of unhappy. Like depression is really high, which is, you know, a, a negative thing. And people seem to be stressed more. Like anxiety is really high. And there's a lot of like foster children. I, like that's really concerning. Like the unit, it feels like the unit is a little bit or less tight today maybe than it used to be and i agree i think we can you know the future is as people are more aware of this i think the future can be much brighter as we kind of pull it back the other direction but it's going to take the challenge is like you have to like say no to things and like you know make changes and those are all big scary hard things to do to kind of rededicate or redirect time and attention back towards the family unit. I was talking with my wife and I got another example of my wife and I talking about this stuff is not the basement, but we were talking about attention and how I have a hard time dedicating attention when she brings up a conversation about something. So it was about one of my good friends whose mom recently passed away and I get like very zeroed in on tasks. And when she brings something up, it's hard for me to shift to what she's bringing up and I'm you know, laser focused. And I probably am not even paying attention to what she's saying, which is definitely disrespectful, my wife. But you know, this is a tiny example. But like, the more I can like, dedicate attention to her to listen to something she's bringing up that really is very important for me and her and kind of give that attention her way, and not be focused on a task or on my smartphone or working or whatever it is, that kind of thing, like really tightens the family union. And I think is if my wife and I are tight, that's going to have tight, you know, produce a tight family, tight children, tight everything. And people don't equate that to money exactly, but like it all ties into money too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, it's a perfect example of this sort of blend of what's happened over the past few years too, with the, I'm working from home or I'm working from an office and the ability to kind of physically and metaphorically shut down one task and then be back and present for another. It's tough because we're melding a lot of these things. You know, we're laptops in the bedroom, we're smartphones at the kitchen table. You know, I mean, it, I'm not saying that this is you specifically. I think this is it's culturally, you know, I've done it too. And, and mess up sometimes as well, where it's like, oh, that's not the man I could be this week. But I'm at least aware of it. And I think that's the first thing with a lot of improvement is just awareness, right? Uh, recognizing it as opposed to obliviously going through the day being like, oh, what's her problem? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I think awareness is key. And then, you know, obviously as a goal-oriented individual and people who are listening to this show, I'm sure are very goal-oriented individuals. I think setting aside that time to say, you know, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? How can I improve in small ways to get there? I think is a key step for whether it's family issues or financial challenges, you know? Yeah. I've thought of another way from time to time of looking at family. Cause the interesting thing about families is it's, if I'm a dad, I'm saying family's most important to me. The interesting thing about it is it's like not Basically, what I'm saying is my wife and I have three kids. My mm -hmm. wife and my three kids are important. That's like my immediate family. Yeah. But I'm the one saying it. It's not even, I haven't consulted them about what they, how they define that as being a, a win yeah. or successful. I'm just saying like, I want family to be most important and I go on my way and I'm like, you know, or I do whatever I do. And, but I, I rarely consult them or even think from their perspective, like, what does it look like for them to consider us doing a good job with family. And I think that's a, an interesting thought process is like, well, what if we asked our kids, how do they define 
a good relationship with their dad? Or what if you ask your, your spouse? Maybe that's a little bit of a gutsy question to ask, but like, I think that's, those are the important questions. Those, those are the questions. What other questions do we need? Especially if we're, as we say, family focused individuals, I think it's taking those time, taking the time to ask those questions. And, you know, it doesn't need to be formal, you know, like, I want to set up a meeting so we can talk about this. It's like when we're having coffee together, when we're having a glass of wine together, when we're sitting down and just having conversation, what do we want out of this relationship? You know, how do you define success? What are you the most happy with me as a spouse? And the same thing as a father, you know, when you get a chance to have those conversations when they're maybe not on their phones or doing something with their friends and, you know, when are you most happy with dad? When have we had the most fun together? And when, what do you want to do more of with me? Or those those questions are fun. You know, one tradition that I started a few years ago uh, was one-on-one time with my kids uh, each month. So this is dedicated, couple hours. They get to choose what we do. And we go off and do something just one-on-one, knowing when you have more than one child, like you have three, uh, sometimes they don't get the attention that they maybe want because we're all doing things as a big unit, you know? And I found that to be a really nice time to just dedicate to them, to their interests. And I'm always putting away my phone. They're putting away any devices they might have. And we're just hanging out. We're just learning about each other, playing around, doing something goofy, something not serious, and having fun. And I'm hopeful that as they grow up, they're going to remember those times with dad to say, hey, that was fun. I really liked when we did those one-on-one times. And same thing with my wife. When we're planning well, it's nice to get out of the house and do something together, especially during the winter time, where we're making some memories together and laughing like we used to when we were just starting to date. You know, all those things that, that brought together those great memories. What can we do to recreate those? Because life gets busy. Life gets real busy and we start to go in our daily routine and years pass by and you say, wow, when's the last time we did that? You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I have a similar routine with my kids and nice wife. And I do mine on the birthday to the, their birthday to the month. Like if they were born on the 7th of the month of April, like we oh, do it I the love 7th that. of every month. That's a great idea. I have a, I have a poor memory of, <laughs> and if, you know, that helps me, that helps me twofold. I can remember the birthday and I can remember which day of the month it is that we're doing it. And Oh, that's great. And it, it's same sort of thing. And then just in general, I think it would be interesting. My kids are just starting to get to the age where I can like ask them like what they would value most. But I think what the answers would be for both spouse and children would be time going back to time and attention, like, you know, attention, you know, real attention, not just like, okay, okay. But like, dedicated attention and with the time to them doing the things, especially doing the things that they love doing. I was yesterday, my, or the day before my youngest kept asking me to jump on the trampoline with him, which is just such a good example of in my world, like something I, like, I don't really want to jump on the trampoline. Totally. <laughs> it's, and it was cold outside and yeah. And, and I, my legs were sore because I'd worked out or something. I'm like, I, I came up with 15 reasons why I didn't want to do yep. it. So I was, it would be normally, I mean, like I've tried, this is a work in progress, like I said. And I've said that, I said no to that so many times. But that time I said, yeah, okay, let's go do it. It was fun. I mean, it was not, you know, I had to get kind of in the routine. But the part, reason it was so fun is because he had a blast. I mean, he yeah. was loving it. And that made you have fun. Right, exactly. I've gone through that same struggle with my son too. I think there's a lot of things as a, whatever, five, six, seven, eight-year-old now that he thought was a lot of fun that he wanted me to do. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll do it. But I get to a point where I'm like, let me enjoy that. I can only fake it so long, you know? So there's eventually this hybrid, hopefully as time goes on, we're getting to this point right now where he actually enjoys watching football with me, which is fun because I like watching football, which is a lot of fun. So he's paying attention to the game, knows stats and knows like who the players are. And we're about to get into the playoffs and it's fun. So we're, it's like, there's a point where it starts to meld together where you both like kind of the same thing, but yeah, there's a little bit of give and take. It's like, okay, you're going to come with me to do this thing that I like, son, and I'll show you. And then vice versa, I'll jump on the trampoline a little bit. Because, yeah, there's got to be a little give and take. But, yeah, I feel you, man. There there are times when we finish school for the day and it's play with dad. And 
it's not always the stuff that I'm interested in. I think a successful day is at the end of the day, I'm like dead tired. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like stumbling to bed because I've been so, I've given my all. Given it day. all, right. Wrestling exactly. matches, jumping on trampolines and <laughs> all. The, but it does, the challenge is with money going back to finances and the pull on usually time to, to make more money is a, a lot of it is like, I feel this pressure to perform, you know, professionally to make more money. To And a lot of times people have this like dialogue in their head that they're saying like, I'm doing it for my family. Like I <sighs> need to earn more money so that I can follow this value that provide for the house for my family or whatever. But it goes back to the question, like ask your kids what they value most of all the things you do. And I, you know, a lot of cases they're going to be like, we don't even see you. Yeah. Like, let's start there. Yeah. I'd like to see you more. I'd yeah. I'd like to spend more time with you. Anything. That and time that, we wrestled, you know? <laughs> right. And like usually, we... usually it doesn't go back to having more money, right? Or, yeah. you know, it's not like the thing you bought me that one time. <laughs> yeah. My kids would say, I know my middle kid, because he just said it recently, he would say like Buck and Bronco. It's just like the game, yeah. goofy game you play that's wrestling, yeah. where I'm the Bronco. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Yep. But he's like, Dad that's abuse. probably what he would rank as like his favorite thing of all the things. I'm like, wait a minute, you don't, you don't like the nice house. You don't care about the car. You don't, it's just the Buck and Bronco. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good point. Absolutely. I think that as we've been talking about the merging of those goals can allow us to have those things. So yeah, we work real hard so that the financial stress can be decreased. You know, we eliminate our debt, we invest a bunch. So retirement is not as concerning. Uh, but when you hit those things or when you get to those things, make sure that you're moving towards the life that you want to have as well at the same time and not continuing to say, well, I'll be that dad or I'll be that spouse when I accomplish these things or down the road or in retirement, I'm going to be the most relaxed person. And because who knows what retirement's going to look like? Are they, are they even going to want to spend time with you? Right. I mean, I've heard that a million times. It's like, I worked my butt off 80 hour weeks so that I could become financially independent or retire. And then I eventually did. And my, I realized I had never developed relationship with my kids and that by then they didn't really want to spend any time with me. They didn't want to be with me. Yeah. That's a sad spot to be in. Yeah. I saw some, some other stuff you were putting out about YOLO and fire. And I love, I love those concepts and because it ends with each other, but I like how you've talked about it, where you can kind of like progress from one to the other. I think the problem with fire, hardcore fire is kind of along the lines of what we're talking about. It's like putting all your time and attention towards your career so that you can retire as soon as possible, become financially independent and retire as soon as possible. That's like the most hardcore version of fire, I think is, yeah. you know, all time and attention towards that one thing. And, but the problem is there's no time and attention left and it's not, it's not balanced at all. Absolutely. Yeah. But then and on I've, the I've, other I've end, fall into that trap for sure. Yeah. I've been there and worked through that. And, but then on the other end of the spectrum, it's like, YOLO is like you only live once. So it's like, you got to enjoy the moment and do the things that are most important. And I see it more as a progression. I would like to, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I would like to kind of be in a career that I enjoy enough to be working forever in so that it's not as much about retirement. And it's more about like enjoying the time that I have and providing, you know, accomplishing the goals that I have and that sort of thing. So it's become less about fire and more about like, YOLO. And it sounds like that's how you've progressed too. Oh yeah. And I think that swing can happen for a lot of people. It definitely did for me. Like when Nicole and I got married, it was definitely YOLO. It was like, I'm in love with this woman. Let's have some fun. Let's goof around. Let's spend all the money that's coming in. We've now doubled the amount of income we have. I was making 60,000. She was making 70,000. So automatically our life gets to double because we're living together. And we did the concerts, we did the dinners, we did the friends parties. We went on vacations and it was fun. I don't regret it at all. You know, it was a blast. And then when my daughter came into the picture, it was like something in my mind went, hey, I need to financially prepare and make sure that we're going to give her the best life possible and that her parents never fight about money and that she's going to have enough money for college so she doesn't have to worry about student loans. All those things started to come in my head because I enjoyed personal finance. I enjoyed money and that was my default. And so the fire switch turned on a little bit where I was like, okay, 
hardcore savings, hard, you know, we went 50% a savings rate for 10 years, probably. And it helped us to do some incredible things. We paid off our debt. We paid off our mortgage. We hit coast fire. And it was just one of those things. I think that combination of me maybe not loving what I did as a career and wanting out, as well as wanting to be the best man, the best dad I could be, the best husband I could be, and best earner allowed for me to move more towards that fire path. Again, there's not a lot of, it's not horrible, but I didn't like where I was going. And by the time I, by the time we paid off the mortgage and moved towards having some of these investing goals hit, I, I realized that the happiness didn't come from the goals being hit. I wasn't like automatically, I mean, I was sure damn happy when we paid off our mortgage. That felt really good. And the investing goals, they felt really good. But it wasn't like automatic light switch. I'm now, I'm now a lot happier. It wasn't until I decided that I really needed to shift my priorities and my time towards the things that I say that I love, that I want to spend more time, that I moved a little bit more towards YOLO. I think the happy medium for me, at least personally, is part-time work. I try to keep my schedule of work from to 20 to 30 hours a week. And lucky enough for me, those 20, and 30, 20 to 30 hours are something that I absolutely love doing. I'm working right now talking to you, which is great. <laughs> this is work. So I have that time during the week to do what I love. And then I have also carved out specific time for me to exercise every day because I got high cholesterol and I need to beat that number. And I love being with my kids. So I'm there when they go off to school. I take them to school. I'm there after school to make them food and help them with their homework. And I've got a great amount of time to spend with my wife, just goofing around and playing, having coffee talk in the morning, and then spend time with my aging parents. Like, you know, I love them and they've been so good to me in my life. And I don't want to say, oh, I, man, I was busy with work and I wish I would have spent more time with them. I want that time to be now. And they're healthy. And I've, I, God willing, we got 20 years together still. So I want to be focused and spend time with people I love. It's interesting. At least my observation has been that the people that are most hardcore fire, it's like this correlation between how it's like the more they hate their job, the more fire they get. Yep. <laughs> and the more they love their job, the more they're like, you know, so it's most, it seems like most of the time that the thing driving the fire is the frustration with work. And I know that's very common with physicians yeah. is a lot of you guys are really fried at work and it's a tough situation. You've lost control, autonomy's gone and all that. And so people are just like, I got to get out of here. So it's like yeah. fire is the only way. But I would challenge that and say like, look at Andy. I mean, you know, or there's a lot of examples of that in shifting career maybe exploring that avenue first at least or try you know before you go too far down the road because there's a lot of negative consequences that can come from doing the whole fire thing and yes and so it's what's interesting about it is it like pushes you further into a job you hate so it's like you've already got this job you hate but if you go hardcore towards fire it kind of like pushes you more into the thing you hate more. Yeah, I got to stick around. I got to maximize this income. I got to, you know, yada, yada. But it's, as you say, there there are other options. Like, so if the place you're working at or the situation you're working at, there are other jobs. There are other jobs yeah, or, or there are ways that you can become, you know, self-employed individual with your skills. Or do a podcast. Time. Or do a podcast. <laughs> where you help people absolutely and tell them about getting away from their fire to enjoy their life i mean yeah. you, you can talk about anything on podcasts absolutely. and there's a lot of physicians out there that are fried at work and what's interesting is there's been a huge amount of new podcasts being created around physicians burning out and how they're working through that and it's because we need community are... people need community people need to hear it from other folks because it's you know, when you meet somebody in the middle of the day, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Fine. Fine. Things Busy. are great. Here's the greatest thing that happened to me recently. You know, nobody's diving deep and saying, actually, my job, it feels like it's soul sucking. Like I, I can't stand it and I don't have time for the things that I enjoy. My health is fading. Uh, I feel like I'm 60 when I'm 40. You know, like uh, that's not conversation, but I think exactly. But it's important 
at least to have people on this beautiful internet that we have. We're sharing real stories about the real struggles of life and have some community and also understand that there are ways to design the life you want to have. I think there is, I mean, we're coming to this conversation of essentially like buying your time, you know, the financial moves and the individual things that you can do can allow you to buy back that time. And it might take some moves to get there. And one of them can be just switching jobs and doing that hard research. I know you feel like you probably don't have a lot of time to be, I can't look for a job right now. That's the last thing I have time for. But what if that's the thing that set you free? What if that's the thing that helped you from this stress depression ball that you might be, and it could really help you. Right. It's worth, it's priceless. I mean, and if you can kind of buy into that, it becomes very motivating to yeah. look for alternatives. And there's plenty of good alternatives where, you know, you can enjoy it or move the direction of, it's not going to be like perfect either. That's this, that's a myth. It is. Moving towards the direction of more desirable. I think we'll, um, kind of reduce that pressure to feel like I got to be financially independent as soon as possible. And because you can see yourself like working in this for a much longer time. And, and I think that's more balanced too, because you can spend the time with doing the things you really value. And most people don't say like work is my number one value. I guess it, it can be, but most people I interact with don't rank that as like their top value. It's more like outside of work. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like family. So I wanted, as we get close to wrapping up, I wanted to talk about our kids too and money and helping them because that's a big topic. We've covered that in several shows recently on helping to start to teach our children about money. And I have enjoyed, I bought several books and gone through it with my kids and it's been kind of a fun exercise. I probably talk about money with my kids too much. Me too. <laughs> yeah. We're, but we're like finance geeks. So and they're probably like, and not another money conversation. But I think most people probably don't talk enough about money. And that's probably a good starting point. What do we do? What do we do as parents? Like, how do we start teaching our kids about money? Yeah, I think that's a great way to start it for the folks that say, oh, well, I'm not a money geek or, you know, what do I know? I think you know what you know. And I think it, being able to share just everyday things that you're doing and then almost speaking out loud about it. You're at the grocery store with your kids. Hey, look at these prices here at the grocery store. This costs this. Or what are the things that we need at the store versus the things that we want? I know we're down this candy aisle. Uh, that's going to be a fun want that a lot of us you know, would enjoy like a little extra treat. But what are the things that we need to make our lives good? Like some of those easy conversations, needs versus wants, just the prices of things how money works in general. You go up to that credit card machine and you wave that thing and it goes bloop, like it's just magic. I mean, the idea of physically spending money is, it's gone. I mean, it's almost gone. It really is. We've transitioned our kids as around maybe five years old, seven years old from sort of a money in jars situation to a physical debit card with digital jars. So we use Ally. You can use it probably any you know bank for this, but physically having separate money in separate jars for purposes, as we've been talking about, like not just saving to save, but what is this for? And so we have a giving bucket, we have an investing bucket, we have a saving bucket, and we have a fun bucket, like spend it on whatever you want. And a lot of those things help to define why we're talking about money or why we're saving money, why we're investing money. And those things can really help kids have it click a little bit more as opposed they they understand the fun one. It's like, oh, I get Roblox or I get toys or I get Pokemon cards. The other things I need a little bit more definition so that they can be interested in the future. And that takes a lot of time, obviously. It doesn't need to be a switch flipped overnight. But I think these little tiny conversations, maybe not the heavy-handed ones, can start to make progress over time so kids can feel, oh, I get it, or I heard mom and dad talk about that. Or this just doesn't feel so intimidating because I've heard it before. I think that there's this general taboo in the world about talking about money that maybe makes people shy away from it, maybe from negative experiences maybe they had as as children or as, as even as adults feeling like, okay, money is bad. Money's just a tool. Exactly. Money's just a tool to help you do the things that you want to do in life. So if you're able to think of it as a tool, like it doesn't have a soul, it doesn't, it's just a thing. And if you're able to wield that thing to help you to be a better family individual, be a better person in general for the world, then I think that's how you win with money. Yep. Completely agree. The ally account. 
Are you setting it up in your name and just having separate buckets for their benefit kind of thing? Or are you having like actual custodial accounts like in their name that yeah, it, they have it, multiple buckets through? It's a custodial account. My name's on it with their names attached to right. it. So, um, okay. So that's like, like a technically mm -hmm. just for you guys listening to clarify technically it's like the kids own the it's like technically their money mm -hmm. but like dad's in charge of managing it and you can kind of make transactions and that exactly. sort of thing and it comes with you have a debit card that you yeah i have a debit card it's in my name but most purchases honestly whether you're purchasing online or even in the store doesn't really matter. I mean, I'm there with them when they're making those things. My my kids are ten and ten and eight, so they're not off to the. I was going to say off to the mall, but I'm not even sure any people go to the mall anymore. Off to the movies with their friends or anything like that. But I think even in that case, you're you're flipping the thing and goes blip blip, you know. So I think it comes with essentially your ownership, but training wheels, you know. So I really like that. There's obviously a there's a bunch of other ones. We bank with Ally, so I liked that having the custodial one. But there's other ones like. You know, FamZoo, which is a great debit card for kids, or GoHenry, um, you know, Greenlight, Goal Setter. A lot of these uh, ones out there really help you to kind of have that extra training wheels for the kids and maybe even add some financial literacy lessons within them. And I think those are fantastic fintech tools out there that are helping to make this generational wealth thing possible. And I applaud all those fintech leaders there because. Sometimes it's, as we've talked about, maybe not the most profitable business idea, but really it is helping to create money smart kids. And I love it. Yeah. I'm curious about the, you said give, spend, save, or yeah. basically those three buckets. And then is there another one? Invest. Invest. Okay. Yeah. And For then, a while we had college as well, but I think that yeah. pared it down to invest because within that can be so many different yeah. buckets, right? That's more broad. Yeah. Yeah. And you, do you guys kind of talk about a percentage to each approach or is it? Yeah. So I have a theory for generational wealth. I call it the 60-40 generational wealth plan for kids. So 60% of the money that comes in, we do this for our family is what I suggest to, to parents is for fun spending money for them to learn how money works, to goof around with, to make mistakes with. I actually encourage mistakes because those were the, those were the lessons come from. And then 10% for giving, because I think that honestly, a big part of general happiness is being able to give your money, causes that you care about to family, to friends, being able to give gifts on people's birthdays. It's It takes you out of yourself, which is good yeah. for it happiness. It also helps remove this emotional attachment to money and Absolutely. Whole, helps you view money more as a tool. Absolutely. And then 10% for savings and then 20% for investing, because I think there's a lot of big goals in our lives that are going to come through investing. And if you're able to do that early with kids, time and compound interest are your best friends. Because if you're talking about home ownership with rising prices for homes right now, starting early for investing could make a huge difference in a home down payment for your kids when they're 30 years old. Or if you're able to get them involved in the family business, if you have one, maybe a Roth IRA when they're in their preteens or teens to start investing early for their retirement for 50 or 60 years, like that stuff is powerful. So that's why I encourage 20%. And obviously when they turn 18, 22, get their own job, hopefully they stick with that 60, 40 <laughs> plan. But if not, it's at that point, it's out of your heads. But I think that as individuals, if we can train people to train our kids, at least to to understand that those other three buckets besides spending are very important for you to hit the goals that you want in life, that will help combat lifestyle inflation because we all leave college and we're all eating pizza and ramen. And then we, then we get our first check and that's like, I'll take that luxury car lease, please. You know, you don't need it, man. You don't need that. But if you're able to keep consistent with, hey, I want to control my lifestyle with the new money that's coming in. That'll allow me to continue to build generational wealth like my parents did. A lot of that comes from just educating your children, I think, at an early age. You're coming out with a course, right, to kind of help yes. further this education. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's called Make My Kid a Millionaire. So it's got that catchy title to kind of draw <laughs> people in because hey, that'd be fun, right? But when we're talking about millionaires, we're talking about happy kids. We're talking about generous kids. We're talking about kids that have a purpose towards their investing and their savings goals that surround family and generational mm -hmm. wealth. So it's all about how to inspire that generational wealth, because I think a lot of it is not just 
handing the kids money and saying, here you go. I left you a pot of gold. Good luck. You know, because you have to, like a lot of people, if you don't have experience with something, you will more, more than likely fail. You know, you talk about these lotto winners that get plopped with a bunch of money and how quickly they lose it. I think it's like 80%, 90% go bankrupt yeah. or lose it all within the first five years. It's something insane like that. I think it's sort of the same. If we're working so hard to say, hey, I've worked, I've saved and invested for you. Here's your trust or your, you know, but I didn't teach you anything for the past 18, 20 years, you're going to see some failure. You're going to see some of that third generational, a third generation wealth failure where we're not training our kids up in order to handle it. So I think there's a lot, there's a lot of that in the course. We're talking about inspiring and generational wealth, investing for generational wealth, and then protecting it as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to release that in the next couple of months. Nice. Yeah. We'll definitely link to that when that's out. And I've got a little bit more information at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash course, if you want to throw that for people, but I'm excited to release it and share what we know as individuals. And I also interviewed 300, 400 people who are very smart on the subject and included them in the course as well. Well, Andy, I appreciate you coming on. It's been a good conversation. I, like I said, there's a lot we could talk about and I feel like we've hit some of the really important stuff, but definitely some sub points we could kind of get into for future conversations. So hopefully we can stay in contact. That'd be great, Dale. That'd be great, Daniel. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Andy. Please know that anything I've said today in this podcast should not be considered advice. It is completely for educational and entertainment purposes only. It would be best to view me as just another guy talking about money on the internet. For advice, please consult your advisors. If you don't happen to have a financial advisor already, I happen to know a firm that's absolutely fantastic. It's actually the firm I started and currently run now, Ren Financial Planning. And we would love to get to know you better and see if we might be able to help. Feel free to reach out anytime to schedule an introductory meeting. You can find more info about us at www.renfinancial.com.